0: you guys welcome to home with Havala I'm Havala Kennington your host and today we're going to talk about one of the number one topics you guys ask me about all the time and that is you want to know about relationships you want to know not only how to find your significant other but you want to know how to wait well how to figure it out and then how to know if it's the right one and so We've been kind of hosting certain conversations throughout the years on this topic, and we realized for our pod squad, right, that we needed to actually talk about this topic in depth and give you guys some key components to being well prepared for what God might have for you. So I had a conversation with my guest today almost a year ago, I want to say, and we started having a conversation about being single meeting the love of your life, and then also knowing how to do the season when you haven't met the love of your life yet. And so today my guest is Krista Smith. Krista, how you doing today? Oh, so good. Thanks, Havala, for having me. (laughs) Truly honored to be here. I'm really glad you're here. For those of you that don't know who Krista is, she is a minister. She's a preacherslash teacher. She's been a pastor for many years. And her and her husband, Sean, travel the world preaching and ministering and being prophetic and all the things. And what you're gonna know today, and you're gonna notice, is that Krista's a woman of the word, but her, her clarity is comes from a perseverance that took many years to form and be created. Almost like a fine wine. You're gonna hear her faith come into play. And one of the things that I loved about Krista, and we can talk more about this like in depth, but what I love is that you are honest, you're authentic, and really the people around you have watched you go on this journey to finding the love of your life at a later stage in your life. Right. And also what it looked like to fulfill your purpose in the midst of maybe not having that puzzle piece in your life yet. So maybe kind of to give us a little bit of background and tell us kind of how you ended up here and maybe some of the story.
1: Totally. I love this. This is such an important conversation because, you know, they say, that there's the majority statistically of people in the church are actually more single than married. And we find ourselves single for, maybe you've never been married, maybe you're divorced and you didn't expect to be divorced or you're widowed, but there's a lot of single people. So I love that you're hosting this conversation because I feel like it's so valuable for where people are at and the journey they find themselves in. And so my journey was a bit unexpected because as many of us, we have kind of a certain expectation of how your life's going to unfold. There's these kind of quiet time timelines that are subliminally put to you throughout your life and one of mine was I would go to college and I would probably meet my husband in college or not there, you know, far after uh, get married in my 20s and children by my 30s and, you know, you, you just have this kind of silent timeline, whether it's spoken or unspoken of an expectation of where you find yourself. And so I am the youngest of three girls. And I watched my two older sisters. My one sister got married at 22. She met her husband in Bible college, kind of the picture that I imagined. And then my other sister, she got married at 31 post-college, obviously, and was working. And both of the journeys were God and both of them were good. And I watched their journeys be very different. Little did I know mine too would be even different from my sister's. And I found myself Havila at 19 years old. And it's, you know, you look back at young, you know, I don't even call it love because I wasn't in love, but young, like, you know, young, like in your life. And it feels real. It feels serious at the time, but in retrospect, you're like, wow, that, that really wasn't anything. (laughs) But but at the time I, you know, had, I liked this guy and I dated him through, uh, I dated him through one summer and he had a lot of issues. And it was one of those relationships where I kept trying to prove to him he was worth worth being in a relationship with. I wanted him to see his value. And there was that champion per- thing in me that God's put in me, but it wasn't in that sanctified version. Cause there was, you know, just that toxic side to it. Yes. So anyway, he ended up cheating on me and I was really disappointed. And I went back to college cause I w- was born and raised Southern Oregon, went to college in Seattle. So they're about six hours drive apart up the I-5 corridor, West coast of America. And so here I am, and I go back to college, and the guy that I had a crush on my whole freshman year of college, who was one of my best friends, but he didn't like me. I was totally in the friend zone, so I was disappointed (laughs) for that. And but I came back kind of in hopes maybe something would happen our sophomore year of college. I've come out of this summer relationship and it it sounds like I was always in relationships kind of the way I'm describing this. It actually (laughs) wasn't true. I wasn't in relationships. I just had crushes here and there. It just happened to be these two events were back to back, which wasn't my typical But I moved into my dorm on my sophomore year of college coming into that first day. And I learned that the guy that I'd liked my whole freshman year, him and I hadn't chatted that much during the summer. He was in a relationship with a girl that I knew that was living across the hall from me. So for the entire sophomore year of college, I watched the guy I liked and was thinking there could be a real potential pursue the girl across the hall. So I say that to say this, I found myself taking a walk crying to God, just going, Lord, you know, like, you know, the desire of my heart, you know, that I long for companionship and that I want to build life and build the family and all those things that we naturally, I think are wired to want. And I think God designs those things. And I remember the Lord just saying, can you trust me with, with your journey? Can it, can, can you allow it to be different than those around you? And so long story short, after that conversation with God, I prayed a prayer, which was kind of cheesy, but I literally meant every word. And the prayer was Jesus, I give you my heart, give it back to me when I have permission to give it away. So 19 years old for the next 19, 20 years, 20 years, anytime someone would pursue me, Or I would have feelings for someone. I would go to Jesus and say, do I have permission? And for 19 years, I heard the word no, not yet. So I really genuinely understand what it is because it's layered. To walk through a place of initial surrender and have an invitation from God to say, can you trust me with your journey? And then actually have to walk that out day in and day out, month in, month out. And for me, turned out year after year and actually 19 plus years of walking that out. And every time God said no, and I didn't have permission for me to make that choice once again, okay, I surrender. That I'm not gonna take it into my own hands because I knew God enough at that point in my life. If I tried to write my own story, it wasn't nearly going to be as good as if God wrote my story. So I totally understand what it is to be a bridesmaid 13 times. I think heavily you have me beat. You're one of the few people that have me beat you. Have, you're like 16 times, <laughs> but I gladly give that title to you. But, um, you know, I, I was a bridesmaid many times. I officiated just a couple of weddings, but I prayed a lot of prophetic prayers at weddings. So, you know, you have have those opportunities every single time in your journey that when someone else gets what you're praying for how are you going to respond and the only way i could find a place of rest and peace was in what we're talking about today which was a whole process and that was finding contentment right where i was at but contending which i interpret that as still believing for the promises of god the the things yet to come still believing for that but if they never come, right? And I've shared this before, if they never come, the lord asked me that question, am i enough? That if things don't turn out the way you hope they would turn out, there has to be this place within you that god becomes enough. And that's a that's a journey to get there. And I know there might be some listeners that are like, he's not. Well, be encouraged because that was my answer too. I told the lord, you're not enough right now, but I know you need to be enough. Because even if I got married and he answered that prayer, if Jesus isn't enough, regardless, he won't be enough when you get the breakthrough. He won't be enough with the blessing. And I think that's something a lot of people forget. We look at marriage as the answer. We look at the baby as the answer. We look at Mm Mm -hmm. You know, the, the platform ministry is the answer or the dream job, the beautiful home, the whatever, you know, you fill in the blank of what you qualify as that dream as your number one desire. And I guess I just come to this place and the Lord took me on it as if it never happens. What if it never happens? And that's a hard kind of reality, a hard concept to swallow, but I think it's a very necessary and healthy one. Because just like we went through 2020, we are going to find ourselves in places, situations, timelines in life that we didn't expect. And yet, if you know that God is good, which again, that's a whole other conversation, because you can't surrender to a person you don't believe is good. You won't surrender. Let's be honest. If you don't believe God's not good, you're not going to surrender. But I had such an encounter with the goodness of God that even in the waiting, I knew he was for me, even in the contradiction, there was a resolve and a trust within me because I had allowed God to take me in the unfamiliar. So, that's kind of a quick insight into my journey. And I know I kind of added some layered pieces there, but just kind of how I got where I'm at. And I ended up getting married about three months before I turned 40. And so I really understand what it is to to wait and to be in the waiting season. And I know singleness because I always joke around. You don't know singleness until you're post 35. I'm just saying. (laughs) that's probably true. (laughs) Oh man. Well,
0: And like you said, statistically in the church, people are really in that phase right now. And I was just talking to a friend of mine who oversees a ministry school with thousands of people around the world. And she said, I'm struggling because we feed this kind of narrative in the Christian church, which is wait and God will give you the right one and just wait it out. And she said, statistically, there's really not a lot of, there's not enough men (laughs) to say it to fulfill, to, to be in that phase. It meaning that if you, if you have a core belief that Jesus is the center and you want to marry somebody who has that same core belief, there isn't, that's not really going to be out there a lot. And so there's that, I love the part you're mentioning, which is the full surrender of if it never happens, is it going to be enough for me? And I think everybody, we, we can slap it on a marriage, but that can be babies. That can even be the person that I'm married to being the spiritual leader. Um, That can be, you know, my physical body feeling strong. It can be my, my sense of purpose. Like, I don't know, but what I do know is you can't run from the waiting. It's just there. And so one of the phrases you use, which I want to ask you about is you said, there's a, there's a point between contending and being content And did you reach, was that like a destination that you were in? Or was it actually a journey that you had to consistently manage and navigate and kind of figure out the tension in that?
1: You know, for me, that was, it was about a year and a half journey the Lord led me through. And in order to get to a place of contentment, I had to grieve it. So pre-35, so just real quick, pre-35, I really had a grace. It doesn't mean I didn't have hard nights, tears, mm. difficult time, you know, but the, I would say my overall, I was really content, in my singleness, I felt a real grace in it. On my 35th birthday, like every single year when I blew out the candles, my wish was Jesus, let this be the year my husband comes, right? Which <laughs> I have been machine since I was like, you know, early 20s. But when I blew out those candles, Havila, it was like the grace blew out of me. And for the next two weeks, the Lord allowed me to feel the depth of my desire. See, it's really easy to answer questions that God is asking you when you're in his grace, right? Because we've all had those altar moments (laughs) where the anointing is strong, the presence of God is powerful. And you're like, I give it all God, I lay it all down. And you mean it, it's authentic, it's real. And then you get up from that place of encounter. And then Monday morning hits, and you're not feeling all the feels. You're not in the altar moment. You're not feeling the the powerful presence of God. And yet your declaration, your surrender is still something you have to make a choice to walk out. And so for two weeks, the Lord allowed me to feel the depth, which I believe was so necessary because I didn't know he was going to ask me the question he was going to ask me, but he was allowing me to feel the depth of my desire so that when I answered, I understood what I was laying down. I wouldn't have understood the fullness, the full measure of how i truly longed for a family had i not had the grace lifted so to you know fast forward two weeks the lord's like am i enough and so in that question i took two more days because i felt the weight of it right i felt the oh my gosh are you kidding me you've got to be joking me that you're asking me for my number one and the lord kept reminding me of abraham and isaac he kept saying I'm asking for the promise. I'm at, can you trust me with the promise? Can you trust me with the thing you've been continuing for praying for believing for? And that was what I shared earlier of me saying, you're not enough, but I need you to become enough. So take me on the journey of where you're enough. So that journey was a year and a half process of grief. And some people that kind of makes them go, what, what do you mean? Well, to lay something down and not know if you're gonna get it back, you have to lay it down. Meaning I had to lay down the idea that I was gonna get married that my dad was gonna walk me down the aisle, that I was gonna possibly, you know, have children, even though you can have children a variety of ways, you know, biological children specifically, um, And then you know, just kind of all the dreams of building a life with someone, all the firsts, you know, and you know, which I'm I'm open about this. I was a virgin. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I never gonna have sex? You know, just all <laughs> the things, you know, yes. branding, just all the what views as losses and all the things where you're just like, okay, I'm never gonna experience that. And so all those experiences of life that I had foreseen, wanted, desired, longed for, God's like, I want you to lay it down in order to actually truly lay it down, and I mean truly like. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, I know that if you don't give it back to me, that means my life has greater glory to you can make a greater impact for the kingdom of God. If I'm single and I, I may not like that. I may not, that may not be my favorite thing. And yet I love you more than I want that fulfilled because if that's actually has a greater purpose, then I surrender to that. And so a year and a half, I went through that place till I, you know, it's like grief is interesting. It doesn't just go layer by layer, although there's five stages to grief. They're not this neatly tight, you know, woven package. That's like, okay, now, now you're in bargaining. Now you're in anger. Now, you know, it doesn't go just neatly nicely. It goes all this big old collision together inside of you. It ebbs, it flows, it comes up in the most inconvenient awkward moments. That's what grief is. Anyone that's walked out lost. And that was very much my story. And then I got to that place. Like many people, you grieving, there's comes this place where you just kind of know you're, you're done. Like it's completed. The grieving process is completed. And I definitely hit that place. And then I would say a couple months after I just was in this real place of rest, God says, now that you understand what it is to be content in me, which is another way of saying, now that you know what it is to be surrendered to me. And also another way to say, now that you know what it is to fully trust me, because you can't be content without surrender. You can't surrender without trust. See, it's all layered, right? And then in that place of contentment, he says, I'm going to teach you how to contend. I'm going to teach you how to still believe and have faith. And I was like, wait, hold on. That feels so risky with my heart because, you know, I think you can agree. It feel it's way easier to not believe for it all just to kind of close the door. It's actually more risky to be in a place of contentment and actually still believe for the promise because you're still putting your heart out there. You're Mm -hmm. still making yourself available. You're still believing for it. You're still like, okay, God, that is to me. Uh, the way I'm wired to, to be a, a more delicate tension. I call that kind of the beautiful tension of what it is to stay in contentment. And God would always say, okay, like, I still want you to believe for my promises, but if it never changes, am I still good? And that too was a process because you can't shortcut intimacy. You can't shortcut a root system you've built with God. All of this to me was integral in who I am today. And I wouldn't be the wife that I am today. I wouldn't be the woman that I am in God had I not gone through 19 years. And I think that journey and root system can be created in any journey. But it's all about embracing the journey God has for you. And I know, like, I used to share this because I ran schools of ministry and I'd have young 20-somethings or even 18, 19-year-olds hear my story and I saw the terror on their face. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. dear God, Mm -hmm. is that going to be me? And I just want to encourage, I think I'm the minority, not the majority. I'm not saying God will make you wait as long as he made me wait. But if he does, I still think there's a really beautiful purpose and value in that. Because like I said, I, I wouldn't have the relationship with God today, if I hadn't leaned in yeah. into that journey of contentment, but believing for the promises. And there's the delicate tension. And like Havila said so well, you can apply that for any prayer you're believing to be answered for any breakthrough mm-hmm. that you're desiring. I think there's this place of hands wide open saying, God, I trust you. I, I have a peace and a rest in you. You know, Hebrews 4 talks about a rest that is uh, reserved for the children of God. That rest can't be tapped into. That can, And I'm going to kind of, they're connected to contentment. That contentment can't be tapped into. That rest can't be tapped into until the surrender is tapped into. You know, until that trust of God, you know, trust equals rest. You know, you know surrender equals contentment, they're all connected. And yet we often want to create these shortcut processes in God. And honestly, it just doesn't work that way. In my humble opinion, you know, it just, it doesn't. And so you can either hate your journey the whole time (laughs) and be miserable, or you can actually lean into it and say, Jesus, I want you to become more real than you've ever been. I want to see the beauty that you create out of ashes. Like I've experienced. Yeah. I want to see a miracle working God. And I understand my situation needs a miracle right now. And so Lord, I want to experience parts of you. I would have never had the opportunity to see, had I not been in a dire situation, a hard situation, a Valley situation, that's where you see the beauty for ashes. You don't see the beauty per se in the midst of the, you know, like the easy moments, you know, ashes, yep. ashes aren't in the mountaintop moments. Ashes are in the dark night of the soul.
0: Yeah. And when you're talking to, I know that, you know, it can sound, everything is kind of tied up in a bow, but I know <laughs> the phrases that you're saying cost you. Like, I, I know yeah. when you say, if I never have what I hope, am, are you going to be enough? I mean that right there is just Ooh, so yeah. intense and profound and there is a deep surrender in our walk with Christ that requires surrender at these moments. I think Craig Rochelle said it well. He said some things are problems to solve and other things are tensions to manage. Mm, and I good. think contentment and and contending is a tension that we manage. It's not like we check off I'm content I'm good. So well said, trigger us, right? So we get invited to a wedding or we see the person we thought we might end up with, ends up with somebody else. Or it may seem like we have these internal timelines that we just keep blowing past. And there are some things we can't get back. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be a 21 year old bride. I'm not going to be a 30 year old mom or whatever it is. And so it really is that kind of dying to the idea of the way we would have felt if it had happened that way and rather surrendering to what it is. I think what you're saying is brilliant. And I think I'm curious for you, Krista, like once you went through those two years of like dying, feeling it, surrendering it, did you come to a place obviously of acceptance um, how did you know that God was changing the season to meeting the love of your life?
1: You know, it's so true. I did. I got to that place of acceptance and you're so right. If I've made it sound like it's a nice, tidy bow, you're right.
0: <laughs> and I am no. not done. I,
1: I hope I haven't discerned no, the because <laughs> I, because it's true. It's it, you nailed it is attention to be managed and you have to guard your contentment. Like once I got to that place of acceptance, I couldn't go to every wedding still, even in contentment, because there are there's ebbs and flows in your margins for that space. Um, there's other breakthroughs I'm currently presently at this very moment believing for, and I have to be careful that I'm not triggered in certain mm-hmm. ways. And that's not living from a place of defense. It's just for me, it's living from a place of wisdom and recognizing, wow, that super triggers me. Um, So I'm going to guard my peace and guarding my peace means sometimes not scrolling on social media or maybe attending that event and not because I'm weak and not because someone can't handle it, but just because it's like, why put myself through that when I recognize it could really trigger me. And I'm actually in a really good space right now.
0: I did the same thing. I remember saying no to certain things because I wanted to be kind to myself like That's treat myself with so kindness
1: yes. rather than,
0: you know, like, like you said, it doesn't right. make you weak. It's not that you're sitting like seething in jealousy. And I hope that, you know, it's not anything it has <laughs> totally. nothing to do with their story. It has everything to do with Correct. our story. Correct. And in the world that we live in, there's such a demand to see other people's lives. And so it's okay to say, I just, I literally, it's not kind to have a lack. To be yes. on that scroll, it's not kind to Havila to watch this new series. It's not kind to Havila to think about what it would be like. I, I need to. I need to be kind to her. Totally. And I don't know if
1: that's how you felt, but I one hundred percent. And I think that's really freeing for people because I think we have that kind of belief system. I can do all things through Christ. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can. But also, Jesus gave us the ability to be kind to ourselves, and sometimes you don't have to show up for everything um, at the detriment of your peace, your joy even. And that's not a bad thing. And just give yourself permission to recognize your season. And you know, you were so right. My seasons shifted and it was very apparent it shifted. You know, I it went was very, how, how did you know? Well, I joke around that there was a man in, in 10 mile radius. He was like pursuing me. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing. I went from feeling like I was never seen or seen very little. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. pursued by men. I mean, literally there would be years where it would just be crickets. And then once in a while (laughs) I would have like a pursuer, or I might be like mildly interested in someone which would last, you know, not even one week. And then, you know, it was so sparse. It was so like, you know, the desert for like 19 (laughs) years, literally. And then right as god was about to bring sean into my life which i had no idea that was around the corner all of a sudden i would be in starbucks and guys would turn around and be like hey start talking to me and i'm like oh that's interesting no big deal i would walk into gas marts and they would and men would stop and go wow you know they would tell me that they found me attractive or compliment me on different things and i was like this is weird this is super bizarre and i would be like thank you and i felt awkward because i was like what's happening i was so used to going through mm-hmm. life, unnoticed by men. And I didn't feel rejected by that, but I did feel not seen for yeah. sure. hundred yeah. percent. So all of a sudden I go from 19 years of not seen to full exposure. And I have men complimenting me. I have been pursuing me. I have guys reaching out from college days on Facebook <laughs> being like, Hey, I might be, you know, I've been thinking about you and like pursuing me. I was a associate pastor at the time in a two-week span i had four men come in and tell me god told them i was going to be their wife (laughs) so the season had officially shifted (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh literally it went from like famine to feast and it happened like boom and it was not literally more than three weeks after the initial you know going from famine to feast all of a sudden, boom, Sean and I reconnect. Yeah. And, and, and there you go. So for me, that was a very clear line. And I knew God was up to something because I was like, yeah. what in the world is going on? I didn't do anything different. Yeah, I didn't dress, you know, like a cuter yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Nope. I, I hadn't lost like 50 pounds. <laughs> my, my body was like slamming. Nope, there was none of that, you know, just me being me. <laughs> I feel
0: like there are things, and I would agree with this because I felt the same way in ministry where I was doing the exact same thing for 19 years at my church. And then all of a sudden, people want me around the world. And I'm thinking, I've been preaching the same message and the same way people used to say to me, So, what are you doing different? Like, why do you think your world is opened up? And I, I have no idea. All I can say is favor is an amazing thing. And when the ceiling comes off, like you said, all of a sudden people can see you, which they couldn't see you before. And I just, I don't know how to explain it, but sometimes I think we think something's wrong with us and there's nothing wrong. They can't see you because there's a protection around the season or a protection around your life or whatever. And I just, sometimes I want to tell people that it's not that you lack cuteness or you're not interesting or whatever. I always say you can be married today we're looking for the right person that, that we want to marry. That, that is what God has. So I'm curious. I know Sean, I'm not here to tell his story, but I know that Sean had been married before and had kids. And then you meet Sean and I've known Sean, since I was a kid. And I, Sean has one of the most integrous, um, like really really fantastic reputation in the body of Christ, Um, his his marriage coming to an end had very little to do with him in the sense that, you know, that wasn't his greatest wish at that point, but I think, at least that's what I know, um, but I know that his season, I'm sure, because he's on this platform where people around the world want Sean Smith to speak and to communicate and, and now he's got to go, am I going to get married again? Right. And then now he's like, okay, God, is this what you have for me? And then he meets you. I don't know that part of the story. So how did people, how did you figure that out? And how did you actually see him as a potential
1: person? Well, you're so right. Cause it was layered. Whenever someone comes out of an unexpected divorce and they find themselves with one part of their life coming to an end. And especially when you're in ministry you have a platform ministry and you've gone through a divorce that, that can be tricky. Uh, God was really kind. And he put people around Sean that really endorsed him really came alongside and vouched for him and his character. Like you said, he has honestly the most incredible character out of anyone I know he just lives with such an such integrity. And he's such an incredible man of God. And so there was that place of, I had known Sean since 2003. Interestingly enough, when I first met Sean on an acquaintance level, him and I were both connected to Lou Engel and a part of the candlestick call. And he was asked to pray for the purity of men. And I was asked to pray for the purity of women go figure, right? So we get teamed up for praying on the platform together, which Lou at that time would ask people that were assigned to that segment together to meet before we were about to go up like an hour and you just pray together and you just kind of share what you feel like God's saying so that you're kind of on the same page and additional pastor Charles Stock he was with us kind of assigned to us he pastors in Harrisburg Pennsylvania we've actually ministered at his church and we're like you were with us the first time we met in person which is so cool but then you know that initial meeting 20 2003, then just led to a casual ministry, kind of acquaintance friendship. I ran schools of ministry, and one in Las Vegas, Nevada. And Sean was already a consistent speaker, already had great relationship with the church prior to me getting hired. And when I ran the school of ministry, uh, he was someone because this is funny, the assistant that got assigned to me when I got hired at that church in Las Vegas was Sean's old personal assistant. She'd gotten married and moved to Vegas to be near family. So I heard, she loved Sean. So I heard about Sean this, Sean that, Sean this. And so, you know, there was already that connection with him already happening through the church and then through his old assistant, who was now my assistant. So then we naturally just kind of created that uh, ministry friendship where he would stay over after the Sunday services and I would give them all day on Monday with my students to just minister and go. And you him. mean
0: not stay over like with you. <laughs> I just
1: <wanna> oh heck. <laughs> to yeah, thank sure. you. Please cover me, Havila. Keep it mean, clean. Like, That's stay right. Stay
0: over. You meant like huh? yeah. I'm I just want to make sure people are You fighting. know what? Thank you for the <laughs> clarification because
1: we do not want that misinterpreted. No, definitely not with me. He was hosted by the church. Uh he would stay in a hotel that the church yes. um, set <laughs> up for him. And then he would teach all day to the students in the school, and then that became a consistent thing. That whenever he would minister on Sunday services, if his schedule allowed, he would then stay over and teach at the school of ministry on the Monday. So through the years, you know, you just get to casually know someone. You know, I didn't have his personal information or anything like that. You always have those boundaries when someone's a guest speaker. Yeah. You're, you know, it's just, you know, it's all that. <laughs> and plus, he was a married man, so all the yeah. more, it yeah. really clear, clear boundaries. Fast forward, I didn't know he had gone through everything he'd gone through because I, by this point, am an associate pastor up in Oregon. And my friends come to find out new, but my friends aren't gossipers. We don't talk mm-hmm. about people's stuff. We're mm-hmm. really careful about what we what we share. We just don't want to be a part of that, you know, talking about people's hard moments in their life, you know? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I had no idea that that had actually taken place uh, a couple years prior. Um, I didn't know that took place, but I'm just in, up in Oregon. And the Lord dropped Sean and his family into my heart. I'm thinking he's still married. I'm thinking, I don't know any of that's taken oh place. Oh my gosh. And so the Lord just said, start praying for him and his family. So I did. And the Lord's like, reach out to him and let him know I have you praying for him. And I was like, oh, that feels so weird. I feel really awkward. <laughs> he's a married man. I'm not doing that. And the Lord just hounded me to the point where I go. It took me two weeks, Havilah, to actually reach out. And I didn't have his personal information And at that time I was barely on Facebook. This is like, you know, years ago, I was barely on Facebook. And so I looked him up and I just sent a quick message because I, out of sheer obedience and honestly to get, to get God off my back, because I felt (laughs) hounded by God, you know, I was like, okay, enough already. So I sent this message. It was so simple. I was just like, Hey, you know, the Lord has me praying for you. And I just felt like he wanted to encourage you that he has people praying for you and your family. So from there, that's when I learned everything that had happened. I had no idea and it had been well and done for a couple of years at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just, you know, Mm -hmm. I hadn't known. So long story short, because there was just a ministry acquaintances, we already had at least a context for each other. We didn't know each other that well at all, but there at least was a context for Mm -hmm. one another. And then I happened to be speaking at a women's conference in the Bay area that I wasn't even, I didn't even tell him I was going to speak there. But this is God. When God wants to set you up, He's the ultimate matchmaker. There was a uh, pastor friends that Sean and I both were in relationship with, but you know separately, we weren't connected to them together. They just had a heart for Sean. They had walked with Sean through what he'd walked through, and they really just loved him and prayed for him, and they had committed to just praying for Sean. They were up together ministering at a conference in Canada, and they were praying for Sean and for. If God had someone for him. And long story short, they dropped my name into them, into their hearts. So they get home from Canada and they call me. They have no idea Sean and I have even no way They have no idea. And when this person called me, she said, you know, what do you think about Sean Smith? I literally felt, and I've only had it happen twice in my life, everything became in slow motion and I heard a click in the natural, but I knew it was in the spirit. I literally felt everything slowed down. And I said, either this is the weirdest moment of my life, or I'm smack dab in a God moment, which I knew it was the latter. I was smack dab. I literally, everything got slow. I felt a click in the spirit, but I heard it in the natural, which was crazy. And I knew at that moment, God was setting this up. I knew. And granted, we still, I feel like did it really well in the sense of we, we still dated a year and a half, we had accountability, okay. we did premarital, we did the whole thing. Yeah, there was yeah. no, there was no rush in our journey um, for multiple reasons. Um Sean had a platform ministry. I had a ministry in the local church yeah. for, for you know 13, 14 years at that point. I'm 17 years now deep into it. And we wanted to be really careful with what God had put in our hand. And we didn't want to be casual about that. Um, Sean also had two children. And so we wanted to really honor them mm-hmm. and honor that process and let them kind of acclimate to the idea as well as Sean and I, Yeah, and, and just be really healthy and not rushed about it. Um, so I'm really proud of the way we did it. Uh, we were very in a, in a way kind of slow in the process. I think yeah. for a lot of people that are older, they kind of go quicker. And, and I think when you don't have the factors we had, you can do that, you know, but when you have the factors we have, I yeah. feel like you can rush ahead, but everyone may not be with you. Yeah, uh, we, we didn't rush ahead and everyone was with us. So yeah. that was really important to us. Um, So yeah, so God just set that story up. I feel like God had to so write our story so that both of us knew it was him.
0: Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. And I think at that point, you really do need somebody who's going to compliment you're at, the, you're past the stage of trying to figure out how to make yourself look better or right. how to, you know, like get the cutest guy in the room and right. all the things, you know, build a ministry with the right person. Yeah. That's all gone. Now you're looking for totally. somebody that is a partner in life, Right. Um. you know, that, that has the right core values and can do life. And That's sometimes right. I think um, that, that kind of, I want to say that person may not look like the way you think it's going to be but that's why the inside of the person matters so much because when right. we base our decisions on an external experience of well I'm attracted to them or they have the right money or the income or the ministry and then we get married and we're disappointed it's because we made decisions on external reasons rather than is this the person God has for me I I've shared this before but when I met Ben Ben was four years younger than me and I did not think he was the one for me and I, but I really liked him. I loved his integrity. I loved his personality. I loved who he was. And I remember calling my sister and I just said, I'm really confused. Like, do I, do we keep going with this or do I back away? This isn't the person I imagined. And she said, you know, Havila, type A people are fun to minister with, but they're not fun to live with. And what she meant was like, you have this idea of what you think you need to make happen, but she's like, you got to live with this person. And I think that that's really true. Core value wise, you would be in ministry with or without Sean. He'd be in ministry with or without you. It's really nice that you joined up with it. And sometimes I think people think I'm going to get identity when I find somebody who has one. Oof. and you won't. So right? good. Like it's totally happen true that way.
1: It's so, so true. You could not have said it better because you know, if people always ask me, did you want to marry someone in ministry? And you're so glad you married someone in ministry. And I said, that wasn't my goal. No. You know, I didn't, I didn't have that. You know, I talk about this cause I'm, I'm writing a book and one of the things in the book and people kind of struggle with it, but I think it's healthy Is I'm like, tear up the list. And that doesn't mean let go of your non-negotiables. Like yeah. what was really important to me, obviously is that the, that, The man I was with was fully sold out for Jesus. Yes. And another trait that's huge to me is kindness. They were kind to me, but kind to other people. And they made people worth their time. That's, I observe how people treat other people. It's a really big deal to me. And then generous, not just financially generous because I love financial generosity, but also just generous with who they are. Generous, like you're a great example of that, Habla. And this is truth. You're incredibly generous with your platform, with your time, with who you are, with your wisdom, with what God's put. There's a generosity you live with. That's one of my favorite traits about people is when they live generously. And so I knew those things were non-negotiables. Oh, and a sense yeah. of humor. And I, yeah. I knew those things because I wanted to laugh my way because life is intense, all so, right? Let's yeah. laugh. So I knew those were my non-negotiables. But the physical stuff, the the occupation, yeah, um, you know, all the race, uh, age, all that stuff was on the table. I was really open to whatever God wanted to do. And I tell you what, that I tell you what, by being open, I got the best possible person for me. Literally, I can truly say there is wow. not a better fit for me than Sean Smith. That man yeah. is like the man of my dreams. And oh. although probably I'm a little bit different than what he expected and he might be a little <laughs> different than what we expect, we are so into each other. There is such a real romance mm. there. There's a real chemistry. And yes. you know, we have a great ministry together, but I we have that because we have a great marriage. Yeah. The goal the goal wasn't to have a great ministry. The goal was to have a great marriage and I think ministry yeah. and all the other stuff in your life is a byproduct. But who you choose, it's got it's got to have those factors of like what you said, it's like your heart is awakened. You're like, I love that person. I love their integrity. I love who yeah. they are in Jesus. They're so funny. They make me laugh till I pee my pants. Yeah. Like I want yeah. that's what I'm going for, <laughs> people, you know. And they might physically look different or come in a different package and be open to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and exactly. I always say you have to be attracted. I understand that if we're having sex with someone, you right. have to be attracted, right? <laughs> Let's not dismiss that. But but it, you can be attracted to a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That that it's not one, you know, one set look that yep. it, God's gonna possibly meet. I think we just have to just allow God to be God. And he did, not agree. that he denies you from the process, but just be open,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um sometimes we want to pick somebody that confirms like why we waited that would almost like show people it was worth the wait. And Ooh, I that's think so sometimes, good. you know what I mean? Like if I can get yes. the cutest, most Best guy in the room, like, see, and everyone will know why yes. I waited. And all of that is still based in an insecurity of I, my value cannot come from who I pick or who picks me. My value comes from who I am and who I was picked by, which was, you know, the savior of the universe. I'm curious, Krista, I know we're running out of time, and next week you're going to take our whole podcast, which I'm so yes. excited about, and talk more in depth. But for those of you that are just jumping into this podcast and you want more, Krista has written a book that comes out at the end of summer and tell everybody what the name of that
1: is and where they'll be able to find it. Totally. Yes. It is being released September, 2021. We don't have the exact date, but I yeah. love that end of summer. That's it's all a perfect good. Way to perfect way to say it. It's called singled out in a couple's world. And I've kind of used that tagline finding or living a fulfilled life, regardless of your relationship status. So it's all about love that it. journey. All about that journey. Thank you. And you can pick it up. Uh, it will be available on Amazon, um, any major book distributor, it will be available yeah. and of course on Sean and It will be available on our personal website. Uh, but I'm really excited about it. It was one of those things I did not plan on writing a book, but I preached a sermon when I was pastoring in Los Angeles, and there was such a response where people were like, can you please put this in book form? It's a conversation we have to have. So my goal in even doing this project, honestly, Havala, was just to help a conversation that really isn't happening a lot. And it's for people that find themselves single. And it's like, how do I do this? How do I I walk it out? And I think I want people to feel like they are seen and heard because God certainly sees them and hears them and knows where they're at in their journey. So my prayer and hope is that this book really serves as kind of a tool of hope but also even give people a little bit of language to where they're at, as well as help navigate maybe some unforeseen terrain that they didn't expect yes. to be kind of walking out, walking through, you know, I
0: had two PAs that were in their 30s women that had waited to marry the right person. They both got married last year, a year and a half ago, wow. uh, to the love of their lives. And I watched them go through this. There is not a lot of narratives and voices out there that are talking about this. And there are so many brilliant, bold, beautiful women that are in this season that deserve a voice, that deserve uh, language for their season. And I think uh, there's no one more qualified than yourself to give us that language and to give us that credibility to say, you are not a forgotten generation of women that are waiting. You are worthy of the call and the presence of God and the presence in our own communities. Um, so I'm excited about this conversation. And I think next week you'll be able to dive more into this. So guys, this is part one of part two. And then when the book comes out, you and I, I want us to host a Q&A live on my social. love it. So we can start to answer some of these questions and we'll make sure follow along. All of you guys that are with us, follow along because we want to answer these questions in, in person, live. Um, And really get these answers out to you. Uh, We love you. We're with you. You're not alone and you're not forgotten. And we're going to help you do this just like all of us. I'm contending for things right now. I know Chris is contending for things. Uh, Just because we have certain things in our life doesn't mean that everything's lined up. Uh, But one thing we do know is, is if you trust God as a good God, like you said in the beginning of the podcast, then that good God will follow us through every contending season. So uh, Krista, I love you. Give Sean my love. love. And all you guys that love Krista, we'll throw it in the show notes so you can find her, but go follow her on socials. Um, you'll you'll really get this message and all of her stuff. You're one of my favorite people to follow because I just see some really good, Bible-believing, faith-filled, powerful <laughs> women in my life. So I appreciate it. Krista, thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks so much for having <laughs> me, such an honor. Bye.